So you'll have to tell me, do I have a tan this morning? Do I look like I've been out in the sun? Do I look healthy? Or so, I don't know if tans always look healthy, but do I look healthy with a tan this morning? Yeah? That's because I just spent... I, the church sent me down to Southern California for the Pepperdine Bible lectures for the last few days, and all I did was just lay on the beach. No. No, I went to classes. I enjoyed the lectureship. It was absolutely wonderful. We spent, I probably didn't spend three minutes on the beach. I did get a little bit of sand on my shoes when Chris and Ron and I and, and Chris's brother went out to eat. We went to a restaurant where you go out uh, the back of the restaurant, and they have a bunch of tables literally set up in the sand. And so you eat with your feet in the sand. So I did get some sand in my shoes, but we didn't. Other than that, I didn't do any surfing. I was not laying in the sun. I didn't, I didn't rent a bike and ride along the boardwalk or something like that. So please know that you sent me down there and I just spent time listening to lectures, learning Bible, teaching a little bit myself, and it's just all good, okay? We actually had a wonderful time at the Pepperdine Bible Lectures. I've been going there for almost, it's actually been over 30 years that I've been making the trek to Southern California. It's an effort, but I make it down there and spend that time learning and growing and spending time with other people who are encouraging. And, and this year was no different in terms of the blessing. It was certainly a blessing. The theme for this year was keeping step with the Spirit or being Spirit-filled people of God. And it was just wonderful to spend those days talking about the Holy Spirit. It was about three years ago, maybe four years ago almost now, that we spent several months talking about the Holy Spirit in our church. In fact, from September through June, that was basically the theme for our series of studies. And God blessed us richly through that study. In many ways, I, I was reflecting on all that, and I was thinking, man, we're kind of ahead of the curve here. The, the church is spending time talking about the Holy Spirit, and we were already doing that. So it was a, it was a wonderful blessing to be spending that kind of time uh, with others talking about the Holy Spirit and the blessing that He is in our lives. Not everything, though, was entirely encouraging uh, as I spent this time in Southern California spending time with people from Churches of Christ. Like, for example, as I talked with guys, especially from outside the Bible Belt, what I saw consistently was that in North America, churches are hurting. You know, um, 30 years ago, there were up and down the West Coast of the United States, churches of 300, 400, 1,000 in some cases in Churches of Christ, and there are not many of those left. Um, in fact, it was interesting to hear how all of a sudden there were churches that had gone from, and I'm, I'm not kidding, that had gone from 650 to 70 or from 350 to 40. Those were some figures that I specifically heard. Um, a church of 160 in Western Canada that had gone to 40. Like it's not been a, an encouraging picture in the last 30 years for an awful lot of churches. And so we need to be praying and asking God to bless them because they badly need some encouragement and need to be blessed. Now, what's interesting is, and, and those of you who are from Africa this morning are going to appreciate this, in Africa, they are flourishing. It is amazing to hear about what's happening in Churches of Christ in Africa. And it was very encouraging to listen to that. Um, it was nice to know that while we in North America may be struggling in some ways, uh, at least in some places south of the equator, they are, are really flourishing, and it's a great story. You know, in, in Europe, things are, are bleak. Canada is not as healthy as the United States. Uh, the United States, however, is in trouble. But we can just turn to our African brethren and ask them to keep coming here. Keep coming. Bless us. Because it used to be we would send missionaries there. It's time for you to repay the favor. Okay, 
We need people from Africa to come here and bless us with their presence because they're faithful people and God is blessing the church there richly in many, many ways. So I'm thankful for that. Another thing that uh, was interesting is it, just speaking of the Holy Spirit was incredibly encouraging. And even though things in many places and, and in many ways look a bit bleak, it is just so hopeful to know that the Spirit of God is active, that God's Spirit is with us, blessing us, that He's present. And when people open their hearts and their lives to the Holy Spirit, God is going to do something significant among them. And so we need to continue to do that. And then fourthly, another comment that I'll make about what happened at Pepperdine is just that our church, in comparison to so many, is a bright spot. In fact, it's amazing uh, to hear people, you know, people say, well, how's your church doing? And, and I can just tell them a little bit about the ministry that we have going on and, and how things are. And, and they're just so thrilled to know that there are some churches, at least, that are healthy and God is blessing. And I'm really pleased that that is the case. Um, and that leads me actually into a comment about our prayer time this afternoon. We, we've had more baptisms at the beginning of 2018 than we have at any time since I've been here. At the, in the first five months of the year. We have tons of wonderful ministry going on. Uh, lots of good things are happening. And I'm just, I praise the Lord for that, that God is blessing us. But why is it that He is? And I ask the question, what have we done differently? Have we done, have we done anything differently in the last six months that we haven't done before? Anything changed? And there is something. In the fall of 2017, we spent September, October, November, and December talking about prayer. We focused on prayer. For the months of November and December, we specifically ask all of you and ourselves to pray for 15 minutes a day. Do you remember that? And there were people who did it. People prayed for 15 minutes a day for the months of November and December. Also in November and December, in each of those months, November, December, and then in January, we had at least one Sunday where we got together on Sunday afternoon and we said, we're just going to spend some time in prayer. And so a bunch of our people got together and prayed for an afternoon in November and an afternoon in December and an afternoon in January. And I think there's a direct correlation between God blessing us in 2018 with the prayers that we offered in 2017 and at the very beginning of 2018. We specifically went into the prayer session in January of 2018 and asked God to bless us in, in our year. We said, Lord, just bring results to us in terms of your kingdom and its presence. Spirit, be with us. Bless us that we might do some things for you. And God has blessed us. And that makes me ask the question, are we not going to continue? And so this afternoon at 1 o'clock, there's going to be a group that meets in the fireside room, unless it is so big that the fireside room won't handle us all. We're going to meet in there to pray at 1 o'clock, and I hope that you come. I hope that you're there to pray, because God really does answer our prayers, and He wants to bless us. And so gather together at 1 o'clock, and we will pray, and we'll continue to see what God does and the ways in which He wants to bless us. I'm just so grateful that He's blessing us. It's wonderful. Praise the Lord for all of that. Now, I'd love it if you would turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10. It's on page 759 in the Bibles that are underneath the seats. And I'm going to start with verse 1. I'm going to read some verses. And we're talking this morning about another one of our I am statements. In this case, I am the gate for the sheep. We've talked about how this phrase, I am, is a special phrase. It's a... It's a an emphatic phrase where Jesus says in the Greek, I, I am the gate of the sheep. And that's what we're talking about this morning. 
So let me read this, and then, uh, and then we'll just make a few comments about John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Chapter 10, verse 1 starts out, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. Of, uh, of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, and then the Bible says, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, verse 7, he kind of starts again. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who whoever came after me, or sorry, all whoever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill, to steal, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Oh, it's, it's, it's rich, the things that Jesus specifically says that He came for. Let's pray. Lord, we pray this morning that as we consider a portion of Your Word today, that You'll bless us with the presence of Your Spirit. God, we pray that You would enlighten us, help us to understand better who You are, encourage us, lift us up. And Father, we pray that You would, through these words, move us closer to the abundant life that You say You offer to us in Jesus. And it's through Him that we pray. Amen. Well, I want to mention some things off the bat here that maybe some of which you know, some of which maybe you don't know, but these things I think are nonetheless important. I want you to notice, first of all, that the first six verses of this section that I just read, these first six verses are places where Jesus is actually talking about Himself, not as the gate yet. He's going to get to the gate, but right at the beginning here, Jesus is talking about Himself as the shepherd. And, and this is important uh, for us to understand what it is that he's trying to say. Jesus is making some comments about what it means for him to be the shepherd. Not yet the good shepherd, which is coming later on, but at this point, the shepherd. And if there's anything that Jesus is trying to say about being the shepherd, is that between the shepherd and the sheep, there is, in fact, close relationship. Or at least there's supposed to be. There is supposed to be, between the shepherd and the sheep, some real sense of intimacy some real sense of closeness. The text talks about how there is one who serves as the gatekeeper. And in this case, the shepherds sometimes did have someone who would stand next to the gate and who would just watch those who go in and out and care for them. And in this case, the shepherd says he's recognized specifically by the one who is the gatekeeper. So the gatekeeper stands, he lets the shepherd in, and because the shepherd comes in and spends time with the sheep, there is closeness and intimacy between them. And sometimes I think we have a little bit of trouble with this. What does it really mean for us to be intimate with Jesus? What does it mean for us to be close with Him, even to talk with Him, and to have Him talk with us? We pray, but what does it mean to, in addition to just praying from some remote place, to actually feel the presence of Christ, to feel like He's with you, to know that He loves you, to know that you have a relationship with Him. You know, sometimes I sense this when we sing praises. Like, aren't there times when you're singing praises to God and all of a sudden you feel like He's just right there with you, the Holy Spirit is present with you? 
You know, I don't know, sometimes the, the hair on the back of my neck stands up. I'll get a tingly kind of feeling. I'll, st- I'll have tears coming from my eyes. Now, I don't think that the Holy Spirit opened up my tear ducts. I don't think He made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. But I do think because we're talking about God and we know that He's present, that it influences us. There's something about us that responds to that closeness of God in the same way that you respond to someone else that you know that you love. It's one thing, though, for us maybe to say to each other, and certainly to those in our family, those who are brothers and sisters maybe that we grew up with, it's one thing for us to say, I love you. And it's easy for us, I think, in that context to to express that and to feel it. It might be another thing for me to say to the Lord Almighty, I love you. And to feel like He loves me. But He does. And He knows me well. The image here is one who knows the sheep by name, and the sheep know Him, and there's connection and relationship and growth between them. There is great blessing. In our life group last night, of which I was in, Miles reminded us of a story that Lynn Anderson tells from his book. This is a book Lynn Anderson wrote a while ago, They Smell Like Sheep. And at the very beginning here of this book, Lynn tells a story about a friend of his named Roy who was in Palestine on a a, a Holy Land tour. And he says this, he says, my friend Roy tells a fascinating story about a trip to Palestine some years back. One afternoon, he stood on a ridge overlooking a long, narrow gorge. So you can imagine he's standing up high, up on a hill, up on a ridge, and he's looking down into a gorge, maybe with opposite hills on the other side, this gorge is in between. Below him, the gorge opened out into rolling grass-covered pasture lands. So the gorge opens up as it spreads out and, and on the hills beyond. A single trail meandered down the length of the gorge floor and then branched out into dozens of trails when it reached the grasslands. A group of shepherds strolled down the gorge trail, chatting with one another, followed by a long, winding river of sheep. At the forks of the trail, as they moved along, the shepherds shook hands and separated, each taking a different path as they headed out into the grasslands. And Roy recounted the fascinating sight that followed. As the shepherds headed their separate ways, the mass of sheep that was streaming behind them automatically divided into smaller flocks, each flock stringing down the branch trail behind its appropriate shepherd. When the various shepherds and their flocks were distanced from each other by a few hundred yards, each shepherd turned to scan his own sheep, noting that some strays had been left behind and were wandering in confusion among the rocks and the brush. So they turn around, they look, and here's some sheep back there kind of wandering around, you know, these unresponsive, uh, disobedient sheep. They're not following where they should. Then one of the shepherds, cupped his hands around his mouth and called in a strange, piercing cry. And I'm not going to... Last night in our life group, Miles made all these sounds, okay? He, like this sound is like... Or something like that. And that's all you're going to hear from me. I'm not doing that anymore. Okay, but Miles did four of these last night with the shepherds each voicing their own kind of call. At this shout, a couple of stray lambs perked up their ears and bounded toward his voice. 
Then a second shepherd tilted back his head, calling with a distinctly different sound. And it's here on the page, but I won't do it for you. A few more strays hurried toward him. Then another called his strays with a shrill hoot, hoot, hoot. And each shepherd, in turn, called their strays. Each of the strays, hearing a familiar voice, knew exactly which shepherd he should run to. In fact, my friend Roy marveled, none of the wandering sheep seemed to notice any voice but the voice of his own shepherd. That's a cool story. I would have liked to have seen that. It would be interesting. But it would be especially interesting to just reflect on that in light of what Jesus says about who He is and about the sheep hearing His voice and recognizing that voice and Him calling to them by name and knowing each of them by name. He knows your name. And He loves you and He longs for relationship with you. And so the first question that we need to be asking this morning is this. How is your level of intimacy with Christ? Because He wants intimacy with you. He wants to know you. He wants you to know Him. He wants good things to be happening in your relationship with Him. How is your level of intimacy with Christ? How well do you listen to His voice? How well do you know it? Is His the only voice to which you listen? There's a cacophony of voices out there right now. Do you hear those other voices? Or do we only hear the voice of our shepherd and our master? A kind of sidelight with that, there are thieves and bandits and strangers that would ask us to follow them. In Jesus' own context, I think these probably are the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of the law that call His Messiahship into question. In our day, the thieves and the bandits and the strangers are those who would call into question our own relationships with Jesus and call us perhaps to something else. There are different worldviews, different perspectives. We live in a different intellectual climate of the day than we've ever lived in. There are other faith systems everywhere. And then on top of all of that, there are those fleshly, earthly desires that constantly present themselves to us. And all of those, I would say, are other voices. And so sometimes the other voice does come from within me as I'm tempted to not be what God wants me to be, and all the while, God is expecting me to continue to listen to Him. One of the things that we heard at Pepperdine this last week is how badly God, through His Holy Spirit, wants to be intimate with us, knowing us well, being in relationship with us. He wants us to be open to Him. It's wonderful that the churches in Africa seem to be that way. And then another kind of by the way here, doesn't it make sense? Doesn't it make sense that when churches struggle or when a whole group of churches struggle, that they're not listening to the voice, that they're not hearing the voice, that they're being distracted by other voices, that something is calling to them, and they aren't listening to the true voice of the true shepherd who is calling them. We need to listen to the true voice of the true shepherd. He wants us to know him well. He's calling us. We need to talk to him. We need to listen to him talking to us. Well, all of that's true. Now, we're going to transition 
from those first six verses into verse 7, but I want you to notice verse 6 especially as we transition from those first six into verse 7. Look at verse 6 with me just for a moment. I'll read this again. It says, Jesus used this figure of speech, this notion of Him being the shepherd in this case, but it says they did not understand what He was telling them. Talk about ironic. He has just said to them, My sheep will know my voice. They're going to hear me. They will listen to no other voices. And he teaches them along these lines, and they don't get it. They don't hear. They don't hear his voice. That these are the people who are apparently seeking after him. They're searching after him. They're listening. Jesus is teaching them, and they can't hear. They can't understand. Sometimes we assume that Jesus or Scripture or even a preacher is talking to someone else when really He's talking to us and we are the ones who need to hear. So again, we ask the question, are you listening carefully to the voice of the shepherd? Jesus wants to say something to you. Are we listening to Him? Are we able to hear Him? And are we responding the way that Jesus wants us to respond? Well, because they don't hear Him so well, He does take another tact. It says in verse 7 that He decides that He's going to give them a different kind of image. The image in this case that He is the gate. I am the gate for the sheep, He says. And there's three things I want, to note, that I want you to notice about that. The first one is simply this, that Jesus says that He is literally the gate. Now, this is interesting because in the ancient world, gates were not exactly what we think of as a gate. I have a gate at my house, a wooden gate. It's on hinges. Uh, I go, I lift the latch. I can swing the gate out. I can shut the gate. I can go in and out if the gate is open. Uh, That's how gates work. We know that. In the ancient world, gates did not work that way. In the ancient world, pens, sheep pens, were not made of wood or something. They were made of stone walls. And you can't just make a gate so easily that's going to swing on a hinge out of a stone wall. So you would have a stone wall, just like this one, say, where the wall would lead up to an opening. And in this case, we've got an opening between two beams with Jesus in the middle, which matches perfectly the way that it would have been in the ancient world. Because in the ancient world, the shepherd would have himself become the gate. And so the wall would come together with an opening in the wall, and the the shepherd would actually lie down in the gate between the two posts and be actually the gate. Now, it's not hard to imagine when Jesus is the gate to think about the consequences of that, and they're fairly obvious. Jesus himself lies in the opening. Who do the sheep have to go past if they want to get out? Who do the wolves have to go past if they're going to get in? And so the care and the compassion and the personal risk that is there by Jesus as He becomes the gate for us, all of that is significant. Jesus is Himself the gate. So you think about your own life in Christ. What does that mean for you? For us to go out of the sheep pen to find the pasture, through whom do we need to go? With whom do we have to be in close contact and in relationship as Jesus becomes the gate for the sheep? The second thing is this. We have those voices out there that are not His. 
And He still is calling us to definitely be listening to His voice and not the voice of another. I don't know all the ways in which the world calls your name, but for every one of us, I guarantee that it does. It might be a call to uh, human position. It might be that you're called to focus on the things of this world that you might better yourself in a significant way and become somebody. It might be that it's a temptation to sin. It might be that it's a temptation to, to unbelief. I don't know those ways in which the world calls to you, but there are those voices. And Jesus wants us to simply listen to His. Who are you listening to? And how will you change the way in which you listen? Are you willing to listen to the one who says that He is the true shepherd, the one with the true voice? Third, Jesus is the one who's offering abundant life. And I want you to notice here for a moment verse 9 and 10. Look at those verses again in your Bible. Notice Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Well, what's going on when he says that? I think the idea of going in and coming out and finding pasture is this wonderful vision of of joy of blessing, of freedom. If Jesus is the gate, He opens the gate, He becomes the passageway for us to go in and out and find all the blessing. We go out into the fields and we find all the rich grass that we could possibly want. And when we want to be secure at night, we go back into the pen and He's the gate that allows us in and keeps the wolf out. And so Jesus protects us, He cares for us, He provides all the things that we need, and He becomes for us, the source of a going in and out and joy-filled kind of life together. This is a, a life of freedom and peace we find in Jesus, he says, when he says going in and out. And then in verse 10, notice that in verse 10, there's a, a parallel kind of expression here. In fact, I think that the idea of going in and out and finding pasture in verse 9 is, is directly parallel with what's going on in verse 10. In verse 10, he says, I came to give you life and to give it to you, how, church? Abundantly. And I think that's exactly what it means to go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the gate, and He's the very avenue by which abundant life becomes available to us. It's interesting. I've said this before, and it's important to get throughout this whole study on, on the I Am statements. The word life here is an entirely different kind of word than the notion of bios. This is not just staying alive. This is the word zoe. It means abundant life. This is like really living life. And so Jesus says in verse 10, I am the gate and I become the source for you to have the kind of vibrant, lively life that you really want to live. And we struggle with this. There isn't anybody in the room right now who doesn't want to be happy. Every one of you wants to be happy. All of you want to seize life and, and have it to the full. Every one of you wants that. There's no one here saying, boy, I hope I have a bad life. I hope, you know, I hope life's just really horrible for me, and, you know, I hope tomorrow's worse than today. There, nobody says that. We all say, we want things to be different. We want God to bless us. We want to flourish. And Jesus says, I am the source of that kind of flourishing. 
So the question is, are you listening? Are you listening to that voice? Are you finding access to and through that gate? Because it's through that gate and that voice that God is going to bless us and bless us richly, even to the point of finding abundant life in Him. So I don't know if you're happy today. I don't know if you've got things going on that cause you to be a little bit miserable. That's possible. There's somebody could be sitting here and thinking, you know, honestly, Kelly, I'm not all that thrilled with life. And I understand that. There have been times when I'm maybe not as thrilled with life as I want to be either. But God nonetheless wants us to be thrilled. He wants us to be blessed. And I pray that you can be. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for watching over us and blessing us like you do. God, we pray that you would bring into our lives an abundance of zoe, of of real life before you. Help us to honor and praise you and give ourselves to you. We pray that your spirit would be abundant among us. Father, help us to listen. And when we hear your voice to respond in ways of obedience and service, because we know that there too we find abundant life. Bring to us this life, we pray through Jesus. Amen. I want to make a quick tie-in with my wife's presentation earlier. I I didn't mention anything before she got up, but some people, as you can see, some people have a better half or say they do, and and mine really is better than me. Uh, And you can see why, uh, some of the things that she does. But she will be presenting some of what she did at the ladies' retreat this year, uh, June 1 through 3. So if you're a lady and you're interested in that, talk to Judy uh, and and make a, make a date to go see that this year. Let's all offer up a close our time together in worship.